Me First, My Condition Second is brought to you by AbV. Hello, I'm Jo Van Ness. I'm your host for today's podcast. Now, chronic disease lasts a lifetime, but it doesn't define a life. And this series focuses on people first, their disease second. We'll meet some people living with chronic inflammatory conditions and learn from their experiences. We'll meet experts sharing valuable information and we'll aim to give you the tools which may assist living with a chronic condition. Our topic for today is sleep. Now, many people with arthritis have trouble getting a good night's sleep. So we're going to take a look at why that is and the potential impact it can have on day-to-day life. With us today is Fiona. Fiona is a registered nurse who's been working for the past eight years supporting people with autoimmune conditions. So firstly, Fiona, could you tell us why getting enough sleep is important for people living with chronic inflammatory conditions? Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Getting the right amount of good quality sleep is important for everybody. Good sleep can help with concentration, allow the body to repair damaged tissue, improve the body's natural defence against illness, help with mental well-being, and even aid with maintaining a healthy weight. Of particular importance to people with chronic inflammatory conditions is that sleep can help to better manage pain. Unfortunately, pain is the primary reason people with these conditions attribute to sleep problems. Is the inflammatory condition responsible for sleep problems in any way or is it primarily the pain? There are quite a few layers to sleeping problems in chronic inflammatory conditions. One reason may be because the levels of cortisol, which is the hormone that helps to control inflammation, are lower at night. Lying down may also cause inflammatory chemicals to pull near joints, causing them to stiffen up. Another reason could be that perception of pain is heightened at night due to lack of distractions. So inflammatory conditions cause pain, which in turn causes sleep problems? Yes, but that's not all. Not getting enough sleep can lower the point at which pain is felt, which creates a vicious cycle. Pain leads to poor sleep, and poor sleep further adds to pain. Not getting enough sleep can also add to any feelings of worry, anxiety and depression, so it's an important issue to address. Thanks, Fiona. I think I have a new appreciation for the importance of sleep. Now that we have an understanding of how sleep impacts chronic inflammatory conditions, let's take a closer look at the actual experience. We have with us David and as well Anne-Marie, who you might recognise from previous episodes of Me First, My Condition Second. David, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. I'm 37 years old and I work in marketing for a global skincare company. Health-wise, I've had symptoms of spondylarthritis or SPA since I was 22. I have problems with my hips, my skin, eyes, and stomach. My hips have been the biggest problem, but my eyes were really the biggest risk. It was a bit of a scare for me. I was 25 when I was diagnosed, and since then I've been using a range of medication, exercise, diet, and different ways just to cope with the condition. Um, There's obviously some things in my day-to-day I have to deal with. I work in marketing, so I'm sitting at a desk all day, which isn't great for the pain in my hips and back. Um, Sometimes at the end of the day, because of the spa, I do find myself missing out on things, like if I'm too much pain or if I'm too tired. But fortunately, a lot of the time, I I still can enjoy exercise, which is a big help for me in coping. And I enjoy hiking, running, and getting to the gym when I can. Thanks, David. Now, Anne-Marie, can you remind us about your experience with inflammatory conditions? Yeah, sure. Um, I was actually diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis or PSA 
about five years ago. Mm-hmm. I actually suspected that I probably had it for at least three or four years before that. Um, I did have psoriasis from the time I was quite a small child. So, um, yeah, I have, I have a suspicion I'd had it for quite some time. Okay. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Now, back to you, David. Have you experienced sleep problems since being diagnosed with your condition? Yeah, I definitely have. Um, Background pain that interrupts my sleep is probably the biggest issue for me. What about you, Anne-Marie? Have you had issues with sleep? Yeah, I have actually had um, issues with sleep. Uh, It's always been an issue for the years before my diagnosis. But around that same time, I actually had two small children. So I guess it was hard for me to, you know, diagnose was my sleep to do with potentially something like PSA or was it just, you know, a mum with two small kids? <laughs> so look, I'd often find that my body was really tired by midway through the afternoon. I'd go to bed and just fall into this like really deep sleep for three or four hours, mm. get the physical rest I needed, but then my mind would would open up, be wide awake in the middle of the night while everyone else was sleeping. Yeah, right. And how do your sleep problems affect your day-to-day life? At the moment, um, I'd probably say that sleep doesn't affect my work life. I I definitely get things done. But towards the end of the day, after about four or five o'clock in the afternoon, I can feel sort of the fatigue coming on. Mm. I probably have more sleep than than I need. I think the only thing that sleeps more than me in this house is the dog. (laughs) Um, But yeah, but certainly, yeah, sleep does affect. I need a lot, seems to need a lot more than most people. And what about you, David? Yeah, just like Anne-Marie, sleep's been a a real issue for me, and I think it was even before I was officially diagnosed. Um, I know now that if I don't get a good night's sleep, then it will just make getting through the next day a a struggle. And I'll often pass up on social events in the evening just because I'm too tired from the day to enjoy them properly. Yes, sleep problems can really turn life upside down. Now, in this segment, we will examine some of the most commonly proposed methods for getting a good night's sleep. Fiona, one of the first things that came up when I looked up how to get a good night's sleep was to create a sleep schedule. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how it helps? A sleep schedule refers to going to sleep and waking up at a set time every day, even on weekends. The key is to create a habit or routine. We humans are creatures of habit. Creating routines can make actions nearly automatic and sleep is no different. Going to sleep and waking up at the same time every day may make it easier to fall asleep and stay asleep through the night on a consistent basis. I can probably guess the answer to this, but is there an ideal time for going to bed? The time that's chosen is up to the individual, but it should be one that they know that they can stick to. However, to synchronise the circadian rhythm, that's the body's internal clock, it's best to try and wake up around the start of daylight hours and wind down when it gets dark in the evening. Okay, and besides a sleep schedule, what else are considered good sleeping habits? There are many things that can help to set a person up for a good night's sleep. Let's start with what makes for a pro-sleep bedroom. Keeping the bedroom environment peaceful and pleasant, dark and quiet and at a comfortable temperature may help. A comfortable mattress and supportive pillows may also help for those who are experiencing pain. Limiting screen time before bed is also a big one. Mm. The artificial light from these devices can stimulate the brain and make it think it's daytime, which can interfere with the ability to fall asleep. And what about during the day? Are there any daytime activities that could help to promote sleep? I know I find I always sleep better on the days I exercise. Oh, absolutely. Regular aerobic exercise can help you to wind down and tire you out, giving you a deep and refreshing sleep. 
Eating well during the day to avoid hunger at night may also help, but eating or drinking too much just before bedtime is also not good. When you go through an energy slump later in the day, it can be tempting to reach for a cup of coffee or take a nap. As we know, caffeine is a stimulant, so it's best to avoid it, especially after midday, as it may add to sleep problems. Naps may also seem like a good idea, but they can interfere with sleeping routines. Mm -hmm. It's best to keep naps less than 30 minutes and not too late into the afternoon. Another thing to watch out for is alcohol. Even for people who feel sleepy after drinking, alcohol can affect the quality of sleep during the night, leaving them feeling unrefreshed in the morning. Uh, Now, David, how have you dealt with your sleep problems in the past? Yeah, I've worked a lot on finding a comfortable sleeping position just with good pillows, a good situation for my hips, just to keep a setup for my body that's very comfortable. And what about you, Anne-Marie? Can you share some of your secrets to a good night's sleep? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, look, I've actually adjusted my work hours, so I, I do start earlier and I finish earlier in the day. Um, I often have then enough time to sort of rest my mind, give my body a bit of a break, practice some, some wellness thinking. Uh, and just chat to my partner about my day. So that way, if I get everything done by about 7 o'clock at night, um, I certainly feel like I'm preparing my body for a good night's sleep. It's not always possible, but you know, most of the time it does help. Yeah. And Anne-Marie, are there any particular sleep improvement techniques that you recommend to people whose sleep is affected by an inflammatory disease? Yeah, I don't drink coffee. Um, if I did, you know, talking to other people I know, I would probably skip, you know, having caffeine at night. I stretch often, particularly later in the afternoon, just to make sure my body doesn't stiffen up too much, which makes it a bit harder to get to sleep. Um, As I mentioned before, I don't feel guilty about going to bed early when everyone else is up. Um, I certainly feel like most of the time I get the most that I can out of the day. So when it might be nine o'clock at night and I'm ready to go to bed, then I don't feel guilty at all. That's an interesting perspective. Now, what do you think, Fiona? Yes, we've realised that it helps to avoid stimulants such as sugar, alcohol and caffeine or heavy meals at night. Avoiding naps during the day is a good idea. It's important to try and sleep and wake at the same time each day. Weight reduction helps and so does learning how to manage your worries. Write down what's on your mind so you get it out of your head. Start a sleep regime. No blue light screens before bed. Keep the bedroom dark and a comfortable temperature. Read a book. Try drinking herbal tea or having a relaxing bath. Meditation and relaxing music often help as well. Yeah, great suggestions. Fiona, what are some of the most common sleep-related issues people with chronic inflammatory conditions report? The most common ones are sleep apnea, chronic pain, inability to get comfortable and stress. How do you advise your patients to deal with these issues? I usually recommend that they speak to their GP about having a sleep study to assess their sleep pattern. I encourage them to manage their stress level and I usually suggest that they ask the GP for a blood test to see if there are any deficiencies that could be affecting their sleep. Thanks, Fiona. Now, David, are there any steps you take regularly to help you get a good night's sleep? I have a set routine, so I don't use screens when I'm in bed. I make sure I get to bed at the same time every every day and wake up at the same time every morning. In the past, I've also adjusted my medication, so the largest impact of it happens overnight. Um, I found that if I was taking the medication in the morning, it just wasn't lasting all the way through the night for me. Okay, thank you. Now, an important aspect of managing sleep issues is, of course, communication. 
So David, how open are you with those around you about sleep problems and how they're impacting you? I haven't really talked about my sleep issues to anyone, to be honest. I've just tried to figure out solutions that work for me. Um, But looking back on my experience, I think I could definitely benefit from some professional advice. Um, I might be managing my sleep now, but I think I could have learned about it a lot quicker and it would have got me to a better place sooner. And what about you, Anne-Marie? Do you feel okay asking for help with sleep problems? I do now. When my girls were were quite young, I did actually struggle um, with that quite a lot, being quite a a proud mum. I wanted to just um, exclusively breastfeed them. I ended up asking my ex-husband to do the last feed from the bottle at night just to give my body a little bit of a break. It was actually hard to admit um, that I needed a bit of help um, and I was fatigued, but you know, having that little bit of time for myself and to mentally switch off, it did help quite a bit. Okay, thanks, Anne-Marie. And Fiona, is there anything else you think may be beneficial for the listeners? Not getting enough sleep can weaken your immune system, cause thinking issues and lead to weight gain. So it's certainly worth making an effort to improve your sleep quality. Thank you for sharing that with us. So before we wrap up, there is one final question I have for David and Anne-Marie. If you could go back in the past to when you were first diagnosed, what would you say to your younger self? I think for my younger self, I'd have to say just be patient. I actually think it's something you unfortunately have to go through and something you have to learn, and that takes some time. So you play around with some things, be patient with that um, and figure out what has the best effect for you. Then another thing, just being open about your condition with people around you and doing that in a matter-of-fact way and just getting the support you need from your friends and family. I would say to myself with great certainty, being tired all the time is not normal. Look, given, given myself time to look back, I would have taken note of every potential scenario of what it could be. So even though I was young, the fact that I'd had psoriasis, it could psoriatic arthritis be what I was experiencing, I would have then also been a lot easier on myself and stopped apologising to everyone for being tired all the time. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Fiona, David and Anne-Marie, for joining us and for sharing your valuable insight. To our listeners, we hope you found that helpful and it gave you some useful information. As always, if you are struggling to get a good night's sleep, remember to speak to your doctor before you make any changes to your exercise or sleep routine. They can advise you on the best ways to move forward. The information provided in this podcast is the opinion of the speakers and does not replace the advice of your healthcare professionals. 